Hello, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday morning. Uh, very quiet, calm Monday morning. No big, big announcements. No major events from last night to deal with. Why Why do I do this? This, this sarcasm <laughs> doesn't work. You all know that I'm not being truthful. You know that there are big things going on. You know this is, dra- this is a morning of drama. There's, there's a lot of drama, Liz. I mean, I think sometimes the only way we can properly engage with how much drama there is is to be sarcastic. It's in our generational mold, I guess. Yes, it is a coping mechanism that I probably use too much. But uh, we're going to – I think we're going we're gonna to try to keep this topic general. We're going to try to kind of talk about it in broad strokes, bring in a lot of past examples. But it's worth noting right now that if you're not com- – completely up to date and or care about completely up to date being completely up to date on the walking dead, the leftovers, and also now game of Thrones. Uh, you might have this, uh, might have some problems listening to this podcast today. Yeah. I, I'll, I'm not going to get into too many specifics on that, but I'm pretty sure character names at the very least will have to be brought up. Uh, because I mean, I don't know how else to talk about it, Liz. There's just, I mean, well, <laughs> there's let's, too let, many. Let's start with something that happened literally half an hour ago, which is that as you and I were planning this humble podcast, we already had the topic picked out. HBO released a poster for the upcoming new season of Game of Thrones, which they are in the middle of shooting right now. And said poster featured a character who we chose not to put the name of in the headline, but everyone else did. So I guess it's fair to say HBO is promoting the fact that Jon Snow is in season six of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I just find that hard to swallow, especially considering how HBO relates back to so many of these shows. And I mean, obviously, the individual showrunners are doing their own thing, and HBO isn't trying to push them in any sort of, excuse me, crazy direction towards, you know, faking character deaths or having actual character deaths. And it could just be a trend started by Game of Thrones and their you know happy-go-lucky attitude towards killing off as many people as they can. But there's just so many shows on HBO doing it, and now HBO is actually advertising it. You know what? Six months in advance of the show coming out, uh, it just seems it just seems crazy to me. It just seems uh, like it, it makes it a little bit harder to to deal with when talking about these things and everyone's conspiracy theories going into overtime becomes exhausting already. Yeah, I mean. When you when you say though, like what you're saying is kind of the death fake out. When you're saying HBO doesn't normally does HBO normally play this game? Yeah, and and it's to me it's very interesting because of how different each show deals with it. I guess like if you're looking at Game of Thrones, um, obviously a lot of people have died on that show who are just dead, and they don't worry about them faking it. Like I don't think anybody's talking about Joffrey coming back, right? I mean he's he's dead. He like, better we're pretty, not. We're pretty sure. He's gone, but uh, you know, in terms of, of of this new character, Jon Snow, and all this discussion going on about it, like when it first popped up, I was just like, okay, this is just one of those things where it's too hard for people to deal with. Like they're just too sad about it. They're right. really upset. They like Jon Snow, and now he's dead. So they're going to come up with any reason they can for him to come back. And either HBO is playing into that, or or they're that's really by design from the showrunner's end. And either way, I don't think I like it. Well, I think, I mean, I, I was saying 
when, when the announcement came through, first off, I was like, oh, God, seriously, HBO, why are you doing this to me? Because the, the Jon Snow tin hat foil, uh, tin foil hat wearing crazy people who are like, I don't know if you saw, but in, in, in this paparazzi photo of Kit Harrington walking down the street, his hair has still not been cut from the original Jon Snow length. Uh, like these people are like pouring over every possible detail, looking for the slightest slightest clue that he might be returning to the show, and now it's just going to get crazier. Uh, but it is it it just speaks in general though to the fascinating idea of the kind of the fake out death, which we have a couple of other big examples going on right now. Uh, as mentioned before, if you haven't caught up on Game of Thrones. Not Game of Thrones. I'm sorry, Walking Dead. You at least know you probably have seen just in headlines or so forth. Without revealing anything, uh, the fate of Glenn, uh, a character who was theoretically seen killed off several weeks ago, uh, was officially determined last night. But the fact that, that people had to wait several weeks to find out even for sure if he was dead just speaks to the idea that we don't trust death on TV anymore. Oh, yeah. No, not not at all. Um, and so much so that, that it, it's becoming a hindrance. Like, in my mind, it's becoming something that people have to treat very differently and going back to like, I mean, The Walking Dead is a very interesting example because at the time when it happened, I felt like most people thought he was dead and it was a very small group of people who thought, oh, maybe, you know, the body on top of him provided him ample opportunity to escape or whatever. I I felt like that was a very small group of people and now we're talking and now it's obviously what actually happened. Um, And I think that 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 idea of it is going to keep, or that that ratio is going to keep expanding in favor of the doubters. There's going to be keep people who deny just about anybody is dead on TV unless you know you see them go on the ground. And and as <laughs> as illustrated by yet another show on HBO, even if they go on the ground, that doesn't necessarily mean they're dead. Yeah. So <laughs> there's a few there's a few interesting examples of this and kind of the way that you're the way that you show someone dying and the way that it's teased either at the end of the episode or just in general really plays into the into the into how people believe it or whether or not they believe it or how much they believe it um, and and it's just becoming uh, its own thing. I will say that it's it, it's interesting to compare Walking Dead and The Leftovers in this context because The Walking Dead. I think the thing that really caught people off guard with Walking Dead is the fact that this is not a show that is afraid of killing people. Like. It is not when when I heard that that character was alleged dead, I was like, "This is shocking and sad for me because I, from from my time watching the show, he was one of my favorites." But that being said, he isn't like you know. It's not shocking for The Walking Dead to kill off a major character. That happens all the freaking time. Uh, and but meanwhile, with the leftovers, this is a show that has an established pattern of finding ways to bring back characters. I mean, the fact that Ann Dowd is on the show still and was made a series regular in an, and was announced as a series regular before the beginning of season two indicates that that show's relationship with killing a character is a flexible one. Yeah, but it's, and again, like this is, this is that fine line that I'm talking about in terms of kind of how it's seen because Ann Dowd's character is dead. No one questioned whether or not she was actually dead. She just came back as a ghost or as a hallucination uh, for, for Justin Thoreau's character, Kevin. Um, so that was very much a great way to keep that actress around and to keep playing with that character. But they weren't denying that what happened to her actually happened and the ramifications that 
were that Kevin had to deal with were very very real. So that part of it was authentic. And for me, when it turned when it and when they came to actually killing off Kevin in two weeks ago's episode, I believed it. I was totally sold. You, you were had to, I was doubting you Cole, but you were so through. sad. I was in a rough spot after that happened, and I I think that contributed to this week's payoff um, in a much bigger way. Like that was a very exciting thing to watch, and I felt like they dealt with it very well. And I felt like they one of the things that helped them, especially in immediate contrast to what these other shows are doing, is they didn't wait. They didn't jump to another character, which is also a pattern they've established where like something might happen with somebody and you desperately want to know what happens immediately after that, but we're going to go spend time with these other characters this next episode and you might have to wait a week or two weeks or three weeks to get back to the story that you were gripped by. And instead, they're like, we're not doing that. We gave you the one of the toughest cliffhangers on a week-to-week basis ever and we're going to dive right back into it this week and give you at least some kind of definite answer in terms of whether or not he's alive or dead. And I really appreciated that, and I felt like they worked it over very well. Um, yeah, kind I, of in, con- in contrast to that, I would just say that True Detective this season was not the opposite, but did that very badly in the sense of when they killed off Ray Velcoro, Colin Farrell's character, you really thought he was dead because at the end of the episode, somebody walked up to him put a shotgun in his chest, and fired. And then they dealt with it immediately afterward, which I appreciate, but that they also kind of had to because that's the way the show is structured. But it was it was a terrible twist on, like, he had a bulletproof vest and he survived this. I mean, it just seemed so illogical and such a terrible tease and did virtually nothing for the story and led us, I mean, nowhere other than giving us that ridiculous foreshadowing to his final fate. Um, I, I don't know. So like, I, there's definitely ways that people do it similarly, ways they address it similarly, and then the ways that it's different kind of makes all the difference when you look back on it as a whole. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting about talking about it, and by the way, I I was definitely like I would I was shocked that this episode that this episode of the leftovers dove right back into what happened to Kevin because I would have you know I would have I would not have been surprised if we had get, been given an episode of padding in between the two. But I was glad we didn't, et cetera. Uh, point is, I, I mean, talking about death on TV, like the the the, the deaths that have the I, I keep thinking about the X Files. I mean, I keep <laughs> thinking about the X Files. But one of the things that was fa- that's fascinating about the X Files is nine years on television is they killed Mulder like three or four times, uh, or there was there are at least two key season finales that end with Mulder literally either presumed dead or announced as dead. Like season four is rough, man. Season four ends with Scully saying Mulder committed suicide to a committee of FBI people. And of course, immediately in episode season five, we find out that this was all a big con. Uh, spoiler alert for the X-Files. <laughs> but uh, the thing that's really fascinating about it is that only one of those times of well, only one of those instances of Mulder being presumed dead and or actually dead, like they actually get him at the ground at one point. He's there for three months, which is its own level of hilarity. But there are repercussions to him coming back from the dead and feeling kind of, you know, weird about it and like actual mourning period. And I think that's what I find interesting about when we when, when characters get killed or presumed dead on television is how do how does that affect them as people and also affect the rest of the show because sometimes it can kick things into a really interesting new gear yeah absolutely and and kind of to speak to what you're talking about with the x-files i mean those were very 
at least especially the season four cliffhanger was a very pointed decision to kind of move things forward and it was necessary for the plot and in terms of like what Scully and Mulder were trying to do. And that's something that I keep coming back to when I'm when you either find out that they're dead or alive. It has to move something forward. It has to kind of kind of add to the story to some degree. And like with True Detective, I felt like it did nothing. Um, with The Walking Dead, I don't feel like it did much other than you know force people to wait around and speculate and hope that this guy isn't dead. Um, and with Game of Thrones, I have no idea. I, I don't know what it's going to do in, in the long run. We haven't seen the end of it, apparently, so we don't know you know, whether or not he's officially dead or officially alive. But when it comes down to it, they better have a good reason for doing that. If it's just something where they want to toy with your emotions and manipulate you, it really doesn't work for me. And and that's, again, why I think The Leftovers is probably the pinnacle in, example, in, a, is in exemplifying this kind of thing. Oh, wait, you think The Leftovers is the pinnacle of television? I think The Leftovers is the pinnacle of television in every shape or form, obviously, but especially with this. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I will argue for the record that uh, there is no shortage of emotional manipulation that went into a, at least one of Mulder's deaths on the X-Files. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, but, you know, it, it, I think like I'm, I, there's there's one show I want to bring up that I can't because I don't want to spoil it for you. Uh but, you know, I think I think there are shows that have done a nice job of taking a death and letting it be like a season transformative, uh, transforming a season into a real reflection on death and life, which has real value in, you know, it, it, as as a, as a storytelling, you know, as a storytelling fuel. Uh but I mean, it's also. But I think there's also something to be really said for the power of a death that sticks. Uh, the the Good Wife, uh, when it killed a major character in season five, I believe, and that death came. It was it was very much they they knew it was coming. They somehow managed to keep the secret. Like it was a complete surprise to everyone involved, uh, or everyone who, not involved rather. Every, everyone watching the show was completely blown away by it, uh, so to speak. But it, 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 they really, I think what's, what was really impressive about it is the grief really marinated the rest of the season, which isn't made it not so much fun to watch necessarily, but at least it had real impact and meaning. And I feel like there's a lot of times when either, when, I mean, what would you prefer a character coming back from the dead or a character getting killed, but rarely mentioned ever again? Well, I, I think you're bringing up an interesting point in, in, the sense that if they have the actual balls to kill somebody off, that's kind of what makes it admirable. Like if they're going to use that as a way to move forward, that's a great thing. And I feel like a lot of shows have done that. Even Game of Thrones, when it first started, that big first death on Game of Thrones was a big deal and it worked. It worked on a number of levels. One, because it was shocking and it just wasn't something that you were used to seeing on TV. But two, because that really motivated a lot of action within that world. Like that changed a lot of things. And it was very final there was no way they were going to come back from this this thing that they did, and that really made an impact. I mean, I don't think anybody who's seen that is going to forget about it. I don't think anybody who even heard about it would necessarily forget about that. It's it's become a a new thing in the, for that actor's career as well. So I, I mean, there's just a huge there's just a huge deal when it comes to uh, when it comes to actually going through with it in terms of just saying okay, well they actually had the balls to do it. They're not just screwing with me. They went all the way and they did it. 
Without 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 Game of Thrones, I would not have a T-shirt from courtesy of TNT that says hashtag Don't please don't kill Sean Bean. Yeah, exactly. Which is clearly the most valuable thing to come out of that interchange. I mean, it's what I take out of this house if it start it catches on fire. It's like my laptop and that T-shirt. Yeah, um, probably maybe probably the cat too. T-shirt first. Well, yeah, obviously you know, the cat cat will survive. I'll, I'll cat wrap the cat in the, the T-shirt, t-shirt for you. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um. But I'm going to also let you go ahead and do what I think what you want to do, which is talk about Edward Burns right now. Ed Burns in relation to the in the relation to Sean Bean. Am I, I going to do it? Okay, what? but I don't you, even know what you're talking about. Edward Burns brought a, you 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 interviewed Edward Burns a while back, and Edward Burns said that oh, the killing right. Sean the, the wind I, I, we're, we've already we're already saying it when, when Game of Thrones killed <laughs> when Game of Thrones killed Sean Bean that was a game changer for him. As a yeah. as, as, as 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 in terms of how we looked at television, I thought. I'm sorry. It, I, it could be the cold, but in my head, when you were talking about that, I was like, "Does Ed Burns die a lot on on in his TV shows or in movies? I don't remember this." But yeah, no, you're right. That was uh, that was one of the big takeaways he had for why he even did TV, why he moved on from well, not moved on. He'll, he'll still do it a bit of film, but why he's so excited about doing public morals on TNT, and why he incorporated an aspect of that into that pilot episode, which actually worked really, really well for that show too. Um, because of the finality and because it set off everything to come. Like it was the kind of the spark that lit the fuse, or the, obviously. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, he, he, he credited Game of Thrones to that. Um, and, you know, you guys know me. I don't like giving credit to Game of Thrones for just about anything, but I would <laughs> definitely do it for this. Um, I mean. For better or for worse, because they're also to blame for where we're at now, like for all these fake outs. And obviously related to Jon Snow if that happens too. I mean, if that happens, they gave us a poster with his face on it. How are we not supposed to take that? Do you think that's a guarantee? I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like there's examples out there somewhere of either in movies or TV with sequels or with, with following seasons where some, like what you're talking about, where somebody dies and they're actually dead, but their ghost or that you know momentous death really affects the rest of the season. Couldn't we read Game of Thrones that way as just Jon Snow's dead. This is going to change everything. That's actually a fair point, um, but they have to. But I mean, that's I don't know. It's it's a fascinating thing because I think that the see, thing- I don't trust them not to be manipulative. See, I'm all, I'm now going the other way with it and saying like, even if he's even if they stick with it and he's dead, these guys are screwing with us. So, well, clearly, no matter what, the the, the one thing we can agree on is that they're screwing with us. <laughs> yes, yes, obviously, obviously. But I mean, I think the thing. That it's worth talking about when we talk about a character dying is it hurts when you're a fan of the show when a character dies, and I think that's 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 something that you know we kind of talk about we talk about in the abstract, but thinking about all those times Mulder died on the X Files and every time, even the times I knew it wasn't going to stick, which was pretty much all of them, it still hurt. Like, and it always, yeah. and I think. I think it's it's you know when we talk about it television the abstract it's worth taking seriously. There are people who are genuinely who were genuinely really upset about a game about Glenn on uh, The Walking Dead getting killed, like crying. And you you not to out you for crying over <laughs> over Kevin on the leftovers, but you cried. I did. I cried. It was it was a rough day when I watched that episode. That was that was a dark day. Like the storm clouds and the rain, everything was coming down. It was cold. Dreary. It was tough. I mean, today, today, of course, is sh- sunshine and light. Uh, today, everything is good in the world. 
Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Ben's life. Everything is good in the world. Um, but, uh, but no, that's that's a very good point. I, I, I don't... I don't know. Do you think people... T- but do you think, like, showrunners are taking that seriously these days? Like... I think because there's almost like, especially with the tw- with the with the pressure to always have another twist, always have, um, you know, the the cojones to really, you know, pull off something awful on your show. Like, how seriously do you think creators take that these days? The I fact think that on, people love their characters. I think it's on a series by series basis, and I think it comes back to just the overall quality of the show. Everything that I think about when I think of these, when I think of on screen death, and I. Th- then I apply it to the show itself. It's like if the show is really good, then they usually do it really well. And that goes for The Leftovers. That goes for even Homeland, which I I don't think season three was a great season. But the way they went about that really left a mark. And they did it with a finality where you're not just constantly – there were a lot of questions over whether or not that lead character would come back. But you know they're not doing that. They're not going to screw with us like that. And uh, I think that's what it comes down to. I think the creators who kind of take this seriously – are the ones who are making better television. And the ones who don't take it as seriously are making a little bit less good television. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't think there's any... I think it's very clear that, that I have a lot more respect for The Leftovers, for Homeland, than I do for The Walking Dead, than I do for Game of Thrones, even though Game of Thrones can do this very well. So it, I'll be very interested to see kind of how they handle this, this, this deal with Jon Snow because... They've done it once before. They've obviously magnified it now and put it up on a, on a much larger pedestal in a much different way. But if they can somehow make this satisfying for their fans and for even they're not even for the skeptics, then that's going to be a very big deal in terms of of what the show is or how the show is regarded uh, from a critical space. Well, I think I think Game of Thrones is a really interesting thing to bring in here because that's a, like when we a lot of these shows like. You know, every show exists in its own little reality. And the rules of that reality can be, especially when you start bringing in genre elements, can be manipulated and changed. So a show like, say, Public Morals, you know, there's no there's no magic spell that's going to bring back a character from, de- from, from, from death. But on Game of Thrones, there technically is. And that means that when Game... I think that's actually one of the elements that makes Game of Thrones... Has made Game of Thrones so interesting in its earlier seasons is the fact that it did choose very often to take death very seriously. Like, the Red Wedding was not screwing around. Uh, Sean Bean is not screwing around. Those characters are not coming back. Or, well... Okay, actually, uh, I know a vague thing from the books that I, I vaguely know of a thing from the books that indicates that maybe all of the deaths from the Red Wedding aren't technically permanent. But that's the thing. They actually kind of chose to move away from that particular storyline. They chose to keep one potential resurrection from happening, at least in the current seasons. Uh, who knows what will happen in season six? Because no one knows what will happen in season six. So <laughs> it's, it's interesting to look at Game of Thrones at, at the times when they've chosen to keep keep death permanent versus the times they haven't uh and i mean what 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 goes into motivating those choices i think speaks a lot to the show like you said the gate the death of sean bean in season one is an incredibly important one and it changes the entire game of thrones (laughs) yeah and 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 speaking to kind of what you're saying with magic spells or shows that you know are, are set in a world where something kind of extraordinary can happen you have to you have to establish that that's a possibility. You have to you have to make it feel like it's earned somehow 
and not just whip something out of nowhere and say, oh yeah, I can totally revive this guy and he's back. Like, I mean, that again speaks to the quality of the show as well as the seriousness which with, with which these creators take their work, with which they, they write these things out and plan them and have respect for both their characters, the show itself, and the fans who are watching them. Like, they have to have some sort of idea established of how they could come back and, and uh, you know I'll keep talking about the leftovers as many times as I can but that was one of the reasons that it really paid off they made me believe that he was dead because they had things set up for the future that I thought would would really change things in an interesting way and create all these new dynamics and bring people together in a crazy wild way but they also had it set up for how he could come back which a lot of people tried to point out to me to save me from my despondent week uh, post episode 7 but uh, but yeah, so that's why that kind of thing works, and that's why you know you you have to take these things seriously from start to finish. You can't just randomly decide to kill somebody off for a ratings grab, or uh, you know to just draw some crazy attention to your show. You really have to have a reason to work that in there um, and make people feel like it was a it was a progressive decision. I mean, the one thing I'm going to say though about about uh, Game of Th- about Game of Thrones leftovers is, I mean. Let me throw out this hypothetical. Let's say that uh, Anne Dowd had not been appearing as a ghost this whole season. Uh, would there have still been enough setup to? Because here's the thing I find really fascinating about last night's episode is that it 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 is much more of a risk than I think we've talked about because it establishes an entire other reality. Like we have seen some level of hallucination on this show, but nothing on this scale before. And you know the entire episode takes place in a fantasy hotel um, and surrounding surrounding environs. And there's metaphor and and metaphor all over the place and fictional character. You know you know, re- re- revived characters brought back and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, establishing all of that just for the purpose of bringing back Kevin, I think, is an incredible leap. But is it is is it even possible without Anne Dowd being a ghost this whole season? Well, it wouldn't be possible because there wouldn't be motivation there. But I, I, I completely disagree over the idea that it's as big of a leap as people are saying. I've seen some extreme reactions to this online, and it's definitely a wild episode. It's definitely something that isn't expected, but it is such a satisfying payout for people who want to believe in the extraordinary, for the people who are watching The Leftovers and thinking, okay, I can't just think about this all as being practical. For the people who aren't, who who in Lori gave her speech to Kevin the week before, aren't just going, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, I've known this the whole time, Kevin's a nutbag. I mean, for people who want to believe that he's actually going through something, this is a huge you know, gift to them because they're dealing with it in such a real and an authentic way. But then for everybody who does believe that Kevin is legitimately crazy and that he has, has had a psychological break, if this is his way of, if this is how his mind has to work through that on his own, then it makes perfect legitimate sense to me like i if you wanted to tell me that if they if they're never going to give us answers on on this kind of thing but if they ever did give me a definitive answer and they said yeah kevin took that potion hallucinated while you know he was near death for however long you know he was in the ground and this is kind of how his mind worked things out on his end then fine that's fine that is that absolutely makes sense to me so i think that again this is this is an extraordinary wild episode of television it's something that the leftovers is constantly doing in the sense of of pushing the limit on just about everything you can you can think of in regards to television but 
it's still keeping things very grounded and it's still providing the the dual option for people. Like you can believe whatever you want to believe. This isn't this isn't a game changer. This doesn't provide one answer more than another one. I, it's funny because I was totally going to ask you for the Scully explanation of uh, what happened to Kevin, and you just gave me one. So that's absolutely. Perfect. Lori will say that. Like if Kevin comes back and tries to tell Lori what happened, she's going to look at him like, "Yeah, okay, Kevin. I'm sure that actually happened, and you didn't just dream it up in your mind. And now because because you don't want to believe in in and out and, and Patty anymore, that's why you're not doing it. Because that's what she told him the last week. She told him he was he saw her because he needed to see her. He wanted to believe in that. So it's just I, I am in constant admiration of how they go about creating the show. It's such an <laughs> that Bible. Like their discussions at the beginning before these season starts, I mean they must be just epic tomes. They're, it's insane to me. So. Yes. Oh man. Now- Leftovers rant. Yeah. <laughs> We're we're good. We've done it for the week, but I think it's going to be good. Something that's always, I mean, death is always going to be a fundamentally exciting part of television. You know, the twists that come with it, the the changes it brings to a show are really are really key. And I think it's just it's just fascinating to be now in a place where we're talking about shows where a death doesn't have to mean the end, but it can also be handled in a really interesting way, or it can be handled in a really kind of cheap and irresponsible way. And I personally uh, prefer the first because I just called the other one cheap and irresponsible. (laughs) Well, it's also nice at least to be living right now in a time where they're keeping these secrets pretty well. Like nobody thought Glenn was going to die, you know, before that episode aired. Nobody knew about Kevin. Nobody really knew about, Jon Snow, you know, other than the books or whatever. Um, like, they're keeping a lid on these things as opposed to some of the stuff that's happened in the past. Like, um, for me, I remember when the OC killed off Misha Barton's character, Marissa, which was so great. It was, like, two seasons too late. But, God, I was so happy when she was gone. She's the worst character. But she was terrible about it. Like, she came out in an interview, like, two days before it aired and said, yeah, they killed me off. And everyone was like, oh, great. Well, this is just the Marissa. Like, there's no surprise to that whatsoever. She and was being a, such a Marissa. Too. Like, she was being such a Marissa. Um, but like, I think Cal Penn, the same thing kind of happened when he got killed off of house. Like, they knew he was leaving. Like, there's times when people know they're leaving. So then when they die or decide to move out of town or something, it's just not very satisfying because you know the real reason why they're doing it. So at least with this situation – they're keeping a lid on things, and it is all coming out of the show. It's all part of the authenticity of just watching the series. So that's that's at least a little bit better. I mean, I feel like we I feel like we hear things. I feel like people still kind of leak things. I think Jada Pickett Smith leaked, uh, kind of just casually mentioned in an interview that she was leaving Gotham before. She... Oh, I'm glad I didn't hear that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that I mean, but yeah, I think that I think people, if 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 if, if the shows themselves aren't taking death seriously, then at least the publicity machine surrounding shows is, are taking these deaths seriously, and that's that is pretty cool. <laughs> Ratings, like they have to, they have to take it seriously. They get so much play out of this stuff. Oh my god! I mean, how many how many shows would have all these think pieces and articles popping up about a poster with somebody's face on it, other than Game of Thrones? Uh, yep. That's true. Work the machine and, you know, this this sort of magic could be yours. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, Ben, the really important question I have for you is, because I feel like we've done a good job discussing this, so really what I want to know is, what was the best thing you watched last week? 
<laughs> Why are you even asking me this? I don't. I mean, how do people not know by now? It's clearly the leftovers. It will be the leftovers for the next two weeks. I mean, knock on wood. But, uh, but no, I, I. That's that's the best thing I've watched. I will give a shout out to. Um, I've been kind of almost like a little bit through work and a little bit kind of on my own, randomly watching old Thanksgiving episodes of television. Um, and I, I think Thanksgiving episodes they get a, they get a little bit of a of a good good rap. Like people know a Thanksgiving episode is usually a pretty good thing. But man, like they're they're really great. Like The West Wing has got a couple of really solid Thanksgiving episodes. Um, we're putting together a friends list for for this week on uh, on all the friends episodes, and all of those are just terrific episodes of television. Um, so yeah, there's there's some really good. There's some there's a lot of good. I know we've discussed this before. Mad Men. We did a list last year, kind of on uh, different families and different ways to get through the holidays or Thanksgiving specifically. But uh, but man, Thanksgiving episodes are fun. They're, yeah. they're they're worth revisiting if you've got some some time to search through Netflix or Hulu or whatever you got. Yeah, I think uh, the Western is a great example of a show that used Thanksgiving as kind of an opportunity to be a little chill and like not have life or death events coming 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 every uh, coming at people every day. Uh, there's a really fun storyline with CJ and turkeys. I recall very fondly, and of oh course, yeah. and of course, of course, like certainly the Miller family Thanksgiving will not be complete until my dad pulls out an iPad and insists that we all rewatch the Butterball Hotline scene from season three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, god i love this country yes it's such a great country uh so yeah what about what about you liz what's the best thing you've watched this week well ben the best thing i watched last week was marvel's jessica jones there you uh, go. but i've already kind of talked about marvel's jessica jones and we'll probably keep talking about it uh i was I, I, you know, was blown away by what what it put together, and I was so thrilled that it lived up to my expectations. It has really important things to say, and you know, when you when when everyone's done watching it, we can all go off and talk about how much we hate Robin and how Robin is the worst character. Just like <laughs> on an objective execution level, fuck that character. I'm sorry, she's terrible. She's the worst. She. I, I, in retrospect, I might have knocked the grade down like one point just because of that character. But that scene said the show's amazing. But I, I, I've, as I've already talked about, I also want to shout out, uh, use the slot, the shout out to Scandal last week, which. Scandal. <laughs> that should be the theme song. Why is that not the theme song? That's so dumb. That's just be a little button they push when they go to commercial break or they Scandal! transition between scenes. That would be, yeah, that would work really well. That's wonderful. Um, but yes, uh, I feel like last week's scandal deserves note as being, I think, a really good example of how a mid-season finale can add a lot of pep to a show, but also let you feel go into December or January feeling re- relatively well satisfied by the events of the season. And it also did some really important character work and also uh, kind of a little bit groundbreaking in terms of not only discussing in a real legit way the importance of uh, funding Planned Parenthood, but also uh, the importance of a woman's right to choose and letting a woman make her choice rather bluntly and boldly. So that's my political rant. Hooray. Way to go, Scandal. Way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back on track. (laughs) Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to is Transparent Season 2. Ah. Um, I I liked the first season. I found it to be one of those shows where pretty much every character other than Jeffrey Tabor was tough for me to watch. Like, they were great, great actors, like, just doing a tremendous job. But 
they're kind of that unlikable brand of of character where it it can be tough to binge. But um, the overall quality of the show, as well as just that, again, Tamber's more like that central character is so fascinating and such a such a fun kind of dose uh, in those little moments where she's just kind of talking with different people. I really I really uh, have a lot of admiration for it, as well as the creator. So I'm looking forward to getting into season two. Um, it comes. It doesn't come out till December 11th, I don't think. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'm that's that's next on my plate for kind of big screener excitement. So very neat. What about you, Liz? What's your next thing? Oh wait, I forgot to mention the leftovers is the next <laughs> thing. forever, forever. It is. What happens when you run out of leftovers? I rewatch them and I feel great about it. So. <laughs> So for me, uh, I've got two things. One is I keep being surprised by this. I I don't know why I keep being surprised by this. Maybe it's because I'm I'm watching The the Affair week by week for our episode reviews. Uh, I'm handling those solo because Ben is covering the other eight shows on the planet uh, (laughs) that we cover regularly. Uh, But I've I've been just continually surprised by how I'll wake up like Monday morning and be like, Man, I can't wait till I get the next episode of the of the affair. I'm 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 continually intrigued by what exactly as I break it down every time. I'm like getting into it analytically, but then you know, the next you know the the morning after it airs, I'm like, I'm into this show. I'm interested to see what they do next. What what crazy hijinks will McNulty and his and his and his idiot penis get him into this time? <laughs> God, um, that's a great way to describe his character on the affair and on the wire. Yeah. Oh, Dominic West. Uh, what what shenanigans you get into? Uh, but it's it's. I'm I'm looking forward to the next week of the next episode of the affair. Uh, just always, it turns out the season. And also, uh, one of the most productive things I did this weekend was I sat down with basically every show that came out this year, and created a list of shows that I need to catch up on before I feel comfortable making my best of tw- best of 2015 lists plural. And so I've got a lot of interesting, there's a lot of stuff that I kind of, I checked out a little bit or stuff that I need to catch up on, like Jane the Virgin, Humans, iZombie, uh, Bloodline. I'm, it's like a, it's like a shopping list of delightful stuff. I'm actually really excited to, uh, especially check out the Jared Carmichael show, (coughs) which got such raves, uh, from a lot of people over the course of its six season, six, six episodes this season. And it's coming back again. And I want to, I want to see, I want to see what, uh, see what the buzz is about. Oh man, the Carmichael show is a trip. Did you finish the whole season? No, I I think I've seen three or four now. Okay, um, so close, but but yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting show. <laughs> you might be able to read a little bit about it and other shows at indiewire.com, where you can find uh, reviews, interviews, features, uh, lists. We're we're doing lists a lot more these days. Uh, lots of fun stuff for you to check out. And uh, if you like our podcast, then you'll love Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, as well as IndieWire Influencers with our editor-in-chief, Dana Harris. Both just can't be missed. Yes. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at LizLit with an I and an E. Correct. We we will be back next week, I think. Uh, probably. probably no. No. Not doing it. I'm going to eat turkey until I explode, and I'm not going to talk about TV for like a week. Oh, no. Then don't explode <laughs> over turkey. It's worth it, Liz. Oh, fine. Well, uh, Ben won't be back next week because he'll be dead. Or will he? 
Twist. Twist. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the most important thing is you guys keep watching television. <laughs> <laughs>